The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony and his guests. Together, we will explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 31 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 12th of March, 2020, from the portable Aviator Sound Studios from Studio 433 on the fourth floor of the Maui Coast Hotel, just off Kamole Beach Park in the city of Kihei on the island of Maui, Hawaii. On this episode of Squawk Ident, I have a conversation with my co-host, Rob D., we discuss what has been spreading around the flight line faster than an infectious disease spreading on a crowded cruise ship. That's right, we're talking about job security. No, not the mall cop kind. We are talking about the kind of job security we pilots worry about worse than the virus itself. We are talking about stagnation, furloughs, line quality, canceled upgrades, and pilot hiring freezes. Most importantly, there is one piece of advice I can give in all of my three decades of employment and nearly two decades at the airlines. Don't panic. This industry is very cyclical and is affected by many complex factors. Rob D and I are going to dive into the latest information about how the current climate of the U.S. airline market is moving towards. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show right after a brief word from our sponsors. and gentlemen welcome back to the show well here we are uh, last 72 hours have been very interesting and a little scary especially for those aviators out there that are worried about their jobs their you know placement in the industry their seniority and some of us even worried about uh, if we're gonna be furloughed or not and you know it's a very scary time and I just wanted to first off say don't panic this is part of the industry, it's very cyclical, and we're going to talk a little bit about all of this today. But first, let's introduce our co-host to the show. <laughs> Joining us on this episode of Squawk Ident from his estate home in Flower Mound, Texas. He is a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech, and currently a 737 pilot 
for a U.S. legacy carrier. Please help me in welcoming to the show, again, our co-host, Rob D. Rob, how the hell are you? It's good to be on vacation, Tony, staying away from work yeah. and all this coronavirus stuff. Yeah, you're, you're actually <laughs> very lucky if you stop and think about that, because, you know, I've been at work now. It's been a heavy beginning of the month for me because I kind of stacked it that way. And yeah. it has been kind of scary. I mean, here I am, a grown-ass man, and I'm, I'm a little bit worried about going to work, being in public. And, you know, on the show here, we've done our best to bring to our listeners the facts about what's going on in the industry and this, you know, COVID-19, this corona novel virus that we've talked about um, in the past here and we've been talking about. Uh, we're trying yep. to just get the information out to our to our listeners, um, not fall for all this misinformation that's out there, not freak out over the fact that, you know, we are a little bit at higher risk than some of the other industries. I mean, if you work a, a nine to five in an office building, yeah, you put yourself at risk, sure, because you're in a yeah. you're in an environment. But, you know, here we are. We're we're in the traveling public with international passengers connecting and, and whatnot. And it's a little scary. Um, it is. And you and I have been going back and forth and, and I've been speaking with, uh, you know, pilots from pretty much all the carriers that I, that I know people at saying, what are you guys doing over there? Yeah. Um, and, and everybody feels the same. It's uh, it's pretty consistent where we're all very, very, uh, careful and very intimidated by what is being created by all of this yeah 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 we don't we're we're certainly uh like you said exposed to uh the general public uh and uh staying in hotel rooms and you know touching the remote control clicker to the tv you know even just touching the doorknob um you know there's certainly uh you know exponential um chances of being exposed to whatever is out there now. So we got to be extra careful, yeah. extra careful. So, yeah. Yep. And last time we spoke, uh, you were getting ready to go to a volleyball tournament with the family. What happened there? And I know I'm talking to you from your, uh, from your <laughs> humble abode there in, in Texas. Right. What happened? Yeah, well, well, we were uh, actually getting ready to leave for St. Louis today. And um, we got a an email last night from the uh, from the National Volleyball Association that runs all these tournaments. It's a national big big girls volleyball tournament up in St. Louis. Well, they canceled the event due to the uh, you know Corona pandemic scare. So um, you know, in the in the interest of safety, obviously, and everybody's health, uh, they don't want to spread any of that uh, illness around with anybody. So um, they canceled it. Um, and along with that one, they canceled also a tournament that we had next weekend in Spokane. So we had two traveling tournaments lined up back to back. And and these tournaments are huge. I mean, I just got back last week from Denver. And uh, that tournament, man, they had over 100 and, um, oh, I think it was over 150 volleyball courts mm. filled with you know teams from eight o'clock in the morning all the way up to about nine o'clock at night so uh the the amount of people that were in that arena 
were uh, in the easily in the 20, 30,000s, um, just spectators and general public, and they had vendors and and all kinds of stuff. I mean, the whole downtown was just full of families and volleyball players going in and out of the Denver Convention Center. So um, take that whole venue and move it over to St. Louis. Same thing going to uh, um, Spokane, Washington. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of chances there to to uh, share uh, this horrible um, you know virus that's been going around. And what's even crazy too is uh, normally the players before and after a game uh, they you know out of uh, sportsmanship they go up to the net and they give each other fives you know underneath the net. Sure. Um, and now, I mean, it was just kind of weird. They all just stood at the ten foot line and waved. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, "What is it? What's this going on?" But then I'm thinking, "Hey, aren't they hitting the same volleyball? That's you know, getting all hand sweaty and Sweat, all that stuff." Volleyball so, and it's sweating and you know, yeah. spit and everything in and, the air. And you know, and then shit. it goes flying into the to the crowd and the you know the pedestrians picking it up and or the spectators picking it right. up and throwing it back in. So anyway. Um, not to get too off topic there, but uh, yeah, so here I am. I'm at home. Everything's canceled, and uh, we got spring break coming up, so uh, the wife and the kids are going to go out and do something on our own. Yeah, something local. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, Staying away from airplanes. Yeah, <laughs> ten, 10 feet space, 10 feet space. <laughs> so, you know, over the past 72 hours, um, anybody that has a phone or a television or anything, you know— remotely to do with media has been bombarded. Uh, you know, we've had a whirlwind of information and a lot of misinformation about the COVID-19. And we're starting to see some of the implications of, you know, threatening to isolate society and confining them to their homes. And, and we're all witnessing governments around the world, not just our own, but around the world, halting transportation and public gatherings, um, as, you know, you've witnessed here firsthand here. Uh, these events are causing some astronomical just uh, determinant to economic uh, markets. Uh, personnel, personal finance is being affected. People are, you know, having to stay home from work, uh, their jobs, you know. And interesting uh, topic I heard about, you know, most of the schools now just a few hours ago, Los Angeles Unified School District has announced that they're on a uh, suspension of classes until further notice. And yeah. so, you know, these healthcare professionals that are taking care of the sick at the hospitals and people that are, you know, in these isolation wards because they have this virus and they don't want it to get out uh, to the masses, uh, they're, most of them are family members. They're nurses, yeah. they're doctors, they're moms and dads. And if their kids are not in school, who's taking care of the kids? They have to stay home. So this is, it's a, it's this a, is a very complex problem. And the major concerns with us here on Squawk Ident is the aviation community as well. You know, and, and you know, Rob and I here at Squawk Ident want to spend a little bit of time with you today on this episode to discuss what this means specifically to our pilot community, not just here, but around the world. And, you know, how can we prepare for what's ahead? You know, we've talked about the virus. We've heard this you know, ad nauseum about, oh, you know, you, you, it's contagious while you're during incubation for tw up to 12 days, you can be spreading it, having zero symptoms, and everybody around you is getting, you know, ill. And, 
you know, it may not affect you, but the next person, they could be on their deathbed because of this with the shortness of breath and underlying situations. So it's a very, it's a very dangerous virus. And how many people have said, well, the flu and obesity and, and, you know, car accidents kill more people every year than this thing has. Well, though those kind of statements are technically true at this point, the experts, and I'm not talking about the talking heads on the network news channels, but the experts, the actual people that have been recognized in their communities and their medical fields are saying different. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, most importantly, we're going to talk about not panicking. Don't panic. Um, we've been concerned in the pilot community about our jobs, uh, the unwarranted actions like you know, uh, filling your, your garage with toilet paper and buying gallons of hand sanitizer. And what does that mean? You know, treating people who simply sneeze as, you know, a radioactive disaster. It's just not smart. You know, and pilots are, for the most part, very technical and logical people. With that said, we want to approach this with, the, you know, the facts, you know, as we know them. And what is it meaning to my career? What does it mean to the pilot community? First off, let's discuss what our airline employers, the CDC and the World Health Organization are saying about how to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Because let's face it, as an airline employee, we are among the traveling public, as we mentioned earlier, and we are in close proximity to others. And if the pilot next to you is not showing any kind of symptoms and is contagious, well, now you have it. And now two or three or four days later, you're going home to your family and children and maybe even babies and and now you're spread you know it it's this is where the danger of this thing yeah, lies it's very now, delicate it's a 0.01% of people below the age of 18 among those infected are showing any signs of symptoms so um and the only death that we've had so far below the age of 18 was because of complications due to underlying situations so that is the one good thing about this virus that yeah. it is not affecting the very very young right. however you know we're at a higher risk than joe bob who works yeah. within 5 mile radius of their home with limited interactions with with foreign travelers unlike us yeah. so here at legacy airlines we have been again bombarded with emails almost hourly on what we need to do to prepare um, to protect ourselves because the company sees it as if our employees start to spread this amongst each other, being in a confined space of an airport or an airplane, you know, this is going to be hugely detrimental if everyone's calling in sick and you have flights that need to go out and you just don't have staffing. So yeah, it's a snowball effect for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, Rob, I was going to refer to one of our emails that we got uh, earlier. So they sent us an email with new uh, procedures. One is for pre-departure. And, it, and it's a, a detailed briefing is what they're asking our captains uh, to do to the flight attendants. They're, they're going to tell them you know, the usual briefing information, but also they're going to emphasize to the flight attendants uh, to review the procedures in their in-flight manuals, to refer to a new policy update that just came out on the 6th of March uh, with further guidance from availability and services of a physician on call and the other um, aspects of what's available to us in flight. 
So, you know, Rob, physician on call, a lot of our listeners might say, well, what's that? How, what's a physician on call in the yeah. airline industry? Can you, can you give us a little heads up on that? Yeah, sure. Physician on call is a, a physician that works um, particularly for our company. And uh, he is located, or at least he is uh, accessible from our operations center. And um, if there's any questions we have that pertains to medical situations in flight, um, we have the ability to uh, call our dispatcher who tracks our flight um, from takeoff to landing. Um, and uh, he can connect us to th this physician on call who can then, um, uh, you know, through our dis uh, discussion of information and detail, um, um, recommend our course of action uh, while we we're in flight and not only directly to us pilots but also to the flight attendants and the cabin crew that are working in the back they have access to that physician on call too so he's a physician he's a doctor and um he he's uh specifically trained on um, aviation related situations and um so it's an expert that we turn to whenever we need assistance while we're flying around all right. And to my understanding, they also are intimately familiar on what tools are available to our That's cabin right. crew in each airplane. So when you tell the physician on call, which is patched through uh, wherever they are, whatever hospital they're at, to right. uh, SLC, Systems Operation Control or headquarters, uh, and then, you know, through the radio yeah. or through um, ACARS, you know, then to the cockpit. Um, and now most of our airplanes have a SATCOM phone built in uh, in yep. the aircraft where the flight attendants from the back of the airplane can just call them directly, don't even have to involve the cockpit. We're, a lot of times we're busy enough uh, dealing right. with weather or whatever other related uh, flying scenarios we have uh, that, you know, that really there's right. lost in translation. So they're now... Yeah directly linked to the physician on call. Yeah, so this is a great CRM resource tool available to not only us, but also the flight attendants in flight. They can go directly to the doctor and relay all the vital information that is necessary for the doctor to make his decision um, and e eliminate the, uh, the, the pilots to the point where we're just playing the middleman on communication. Right. So. Uh, we can focus on keeping the airplane flying and safe and headed in the right direction and out of uh, harm's way. Yep. And if the airplane's on the ground, they even get the gate agent and then IOC um, involved as well. And right. then they'll determine whether the customer is healthy enough to fly, you know, and what additional steps need to be taken, if any. Uh, right. Also, note in there, according to the DOT rules, we may not discriminate or refuse transportation to a customer unless they're deemed to pose a significant risk to the health and safety of others. The IOC, in coordination with the POC, uh, will help our ground teams determine whether a customer is fit to fly. So, between headquarters and through the local right. stations uh, control, right. you know, they'll determine. Now, if you're in flight, things are a little bit different. Um, right. You know, it says here the flight attendant will notify the captain, request that the physician on call be notified if they don't have that sat phone. Uh, and then they'll get specific information about the passenger's history, their symptoms. And it even shows that if they're showing signs of a communicable disease, the flight attendants, you know, they have the resources already on board. They've always had them. 
But what mm-hmm. they'll do is they'll put the mask on the actual patient or the 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 passenger uh, and gloves and try to put them towards the back of the aircraft if there's an open seat or they'll make an open seat in the back of the aircraft uh, so that they can be there. We also got an email, I don't know if you saw this, Rob, about an hour ago, uh, effective immediately at Legacy Airlines, the auxiliary power unit will be powered on the ground at all times. Uh, and the air conditioning packs will be on any time a passenger is on the aircraft. That's right. Now, the reason for this is because there are very large, very high-quality HEPA filters in that heating and air conditioning system, and they recycle the air uh, multiple times every, I forget how many minutes. Yeah. Um, but it's, an, it's really, it's a very powerful system that, it's it's almost like being in a in a JPL lab, man. They're they're cleaning <laughs> that air out. It's cycled through there. Yeah. Like, like I forget how many times a minute, but the yeah. air in that entire cabin, once the door is sealed, is going through the filtration system. And not and we say recycled, but it's really not recycled. The air right. is filtered. It's being pumped into the airplane and it's being removed from the back of the airplane through the outflow valves. So okay. you're pressurizing, you're putting more air in than you're letting out, and that's how we pressurize the cabin. Yep. It's, not, it's not the same air that you took off with when you take off when you land. It's, it's constantly being recycled. So the air that's in there maybe every 15 minutes is completely different right. from the front of the back of the plane. It's, it's always being pumped in. Yep. Um, so it's not a recycled situation like, say, on a cruise ship. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so on a cruise ship, they have filtration systems as well, but that air is, is all really pumped from one to another. It's air conditioning, and it really yeah. doesn't get recycled like it does in an airplane, right. uh, which is a whole other topic. Yeah, I think it's cruel and unusual punishment to leave <laughs> people that are you know, contaminated on a cruise ship to wait out because all, your, all this virus is doing is going through the air through the air conditioning and duct system. And yep. you could be in a room perfectly healthy, and all of a sudden you're sick. Why? Because the, the contaminated air was pumped through your cabin. And if you yeah. don't have a balcony, you have an inner, inner uh, yeah. cabin. Breathing everybody else's air. You're, you're forced to breathe this you know, pumped-in air from other areas of the ship. And if somebody's contaminated in that area and they're breathing, and this is an yeah. airborne virus, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, I hear they have a good deal on cruise ships these days. You know, you get one week, you can get two for free. Well, did you? Someone posted a link from the actual <laughs> Princess Cruise website. Fifty nine dollars for a for a, <laughs> a window a balcony uh, per per day. I mean, oh. they're they're hurting. They're hurting. And, uh, we're, but we're all going to be hurting here pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, they're all hurt. Sure. So so here at Legacy, we've put these steps. Uh, you know, they've they've always been there, but. Uh, there's, you know, now we're heightening our procedures. We're making them a little bit more aggressive to fight any kind of um, virus from spreading. Uh, I have been flying this week, and I can tell you the cabin cleaning crew, I mean, usually they come through real quick, especially if it's a quick turn, and, you know, they spend 10, 15 minutes maximum on the airplane, uh, wiping down just the bare minimums, the bathrooms, the things like that. I 
can't tell you, every time I stepped on an airplane this week, including today, it smelled like I just walked through a, a hospital. Oh, the really? Cleaning supplies that they're using. Um, so there is a noticeable difference then. Absolutely. That's yeah, absolutely. That's good. They're taking and a little bit longer. And it's funny because we all feel like they, this is what they should be doing all along anyway. We're, you know, honestly, we do. <laughs> I mean, as pilots, we hate getting on a messy airplane because yeah. that's what the passengers see. Exactly. Um, but we also have to worry about ill crew members. Yep. Okay. So there's now a procedure. Obviously, if you're sick and you're a pilot, doesn't matter if you're on probation, you're brand new, and it's their first flight off IOE. If you're sick, you're sick. Stay yep. home because we, we work in a phone booth. You know, you're in yep. close proximity. You're putting on an oxygen mask. Okay. How yeah. many people you're, have- you're, you're touching the, you're, you're manipulating the same controls as the other guy, too. It could be 10 so. pilots per day in your seat, yep. maybe even more yep. in that airplane. Yep. You know, and, and this thing, it spreads. You know, you can infect what fifty? How many did that one passenger or that one uh, person in New York infect? One person infected five hundred. They've calculated it. Oh yeah, I think I read that stat. Yeah, it was like five hundred. Yeah, one person. One person. Just because yep. they had no symptoms and in ten days, yep. and they just and they traced it yep. all back to that contact. So, pretty serious stuff. If you're in the middle of a trip, obviously you are call crew scheduling or your chief pilot and let them know what's happening and they'll remove you from the trip. Uh, if you needed a hospital, you call the hotel and they're going to arrange for care. Uh, and uh, most pilots don't realize every single pilot has access to the physician on call. That's right. So if you're on an overnight and it's three o'clock in the morning and you're, it's obviously, you know, it's in the middle of the night, who are you going to call? You can call the physician on call. Physician on Every call. company is going to have one, um, and you can get that phone number from your chief pilot. Uh, and for us, it, it's available through uh, both our manuals and now through this these emails. Yep. At the yep. bottom, or of we could just call cruise scheduling, talk to the duty pilot, and he could also patch absolutely it through. many avenues. Absolutely many avenues. So yep. the CDC, uh, we've talked about them, um, and and they are the number one resource. Uh, you know, not CNN, not not all these other, you know, Fox News or MSNBC. Go directly to the source, okay? So cdc.gov is the website that we're referring to. We've talked about it many times on the show. And they're still saying that the best defense against this, you know, coronavirus outbreak, they're calling it now the, the COVID-19, is still to wash your hands. They also still do not recommend wearing a mask unless you are sick and you are caring for someone who is sick with this virus. So, you know, go, go to the website. I'll put links in the show notes as soon as uh, this episode becomes available. So you can click directly on the link and go check it out for yourself. Um, and it tells you how to do, you know, screenings, how to, um, communicate with the, the powers that be if you do get sick. Um, and they're constantly updating, uh, this website at CDC. So great tool. Now the world health organization, that's a little more of a global international organization. That's a good place to get stats. Um, so that's great, but I've also been turned on to the Johns Hopkins um, website, 
and they have a link in there specifically for the COVID-19. And it's going to give you uh, more of the stats that are related to the U.S. and how it's affecting us here. So first off, let's discuss uh, what the airline employers, the CDC and the World Health Organization are saying about how to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Because let's face it, as airline employees, we are, again, amongst the traveling public and in close proximity to each other. Uh, and we are at a higher risk. So uh, what, what should we be doing? Uh, what's my risk level? You have to kind of ask yourself these, these questions. Yeah. So again, don't panic. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not going to get it just because you touched your face. Right. Okay. The only reason they don't want you to touch your face is because it's good hygiene practices. <laughs> You know, you've got these, you got your nose, you got your mouth, you got your eyes, you know, you touch something and then you rub your eyes, you, you yep. know, you, you touch your mouth and your nose, you're, you're, you're introducing potential for these things to enter into the body. Okay. Right. Washing your hands is better than hand sanitizer. You can have a gallon of hand sanitizer. That's great. If you can't get to a sink with hot water and soap and wash for 20 seconds or two happy birthdays right right so yep so should we be wearing a mask the answer is still no because 90 percent of the masks that people are wearing right now i'll tell you through personal experience at the airport they're not they're not doing anything they're not fitted to the face they're not the the n95 or higher type mask Mm -hmm. um they're just dust dust masks and paper surgical masks yeah you know air is getting in air is getting out this virus is yep. very small a particulate and, that's why the n95 and yeah and also you know you, you hand like a flight attendant hands a passenger who's wearing a mask a can of soda with a cup of ice what are they gonna do right they gotta lift the mask off yeah <laughs> they're gonna take a sip of soda which they didn't sterilize or anything like that. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> you, you'd be Rob, you'd be so. amazed right now. I am in uh, the beautiful Island of Maui. I step off the plane. I'm waiting for my crew. I'm on the jet bridge. Lucky. I'm saying, I'm saying, you know, thank you for flying with us. That kind of stuff to a couple of the passengers and Aloha. 90% of the people that were wearing masks on the flight, which was at least 40%. Of the people that I saw coming off that plane, wow, at least forty percent, hundred, hundred, and we didn't have a full airplane today. I think it was like a one hundred and thirty-five mm-hmm. passengers, so we could have taken yeah. a lot more. But forty uh, percent of them had a mask on. Wow, and eighty percent of them didn't have the mask covering their nose and mouth. Right, they had them down because it's hard to breathe with. So yeah. what the, what's the yeah. point? Yeah. It's, no. it, and it's crazy because so, you know, the whole the funny thing about the mask thing and, and here's here's probably the broader term is we just said and we just talked about that if you're sick or we mentioned it, if you're sick, you shouldn't travel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it says here on the CDC website that if you're sick, you do want to wear a face mask. If you're sick. So, <laughs> yeah. So don't travel. First yeah. of all. Right. Don't travel. You know, yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, it, it, it's a vacation spot. I mean, I know people live there, but most passengers on your airplane are going there for vacation. 
<laughs> and you know, uh, the funny thing is, I mean, I've seen it on some of the websites and the social media. Uh, the uh, the employees of the airline, you know, our airline employees, uh-huh. what one hundred and thirty plus thousand people altogether. Yep. Okay. It's a bird. They're exactly. all saying the same thing. <laughs> Now's the time to non-rev. Let's go on vacation. You know, Believe and me, that thought crossed my mind today when uh, when my daughter's volleyball tournament's canceled. It's like I was thinking, now's a great time to non-rev that's anywhere it. we want. Flights are empty, places. hotels are cheap. I mean, come on. Except Orlando. Oh, Disney yeah. World is always full no matter what. <laughs> are they even still open? But, I know uh, uh, L.A. Disneyland well, is not. Disneyland, I believe, is closed. I haven't heard anything yet about Disney World. However, you know, with the way things are going, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that's, yeah. that's something that, uh, you know, I don't know. that. Some higher ups are obviously going to have to make that big decision on that one, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're talking about, yep. you know, what can we do as a crew member, as a pilot, um, you know, even as a passenger, and you're on a flight and the guy next to you is not feeling too good or doesn't look right. Now is the time to kind of say something. And in an article written in the New York Post today by Yaron Steinbuch, uh, the coronavirus is in New York, and a passenger on a JetBlue flight from New York, JFK, tests positive. A passenger on a JetBlue flight, JFK, is tested positive for the coronavirus after landing in Palm Beach, Florida, according to reports. Flight 253, with 114 passengers and crew on board, landed in Palm Beach International Airport shortly after 9 p.m. Wednesday but remained on the tarmac for about three hours. One of the passengers told the station that a man near him was taken to the back of the aircraft. He was wearing a mask and gloves, and his wife was sitting in the same row as me and mentioned to others that he wasn't feeling well, says Scott Rodman. She said he had gotten a phone call with his test results right before we had taken off, implying that he had a positive test but not actually saying it. Just before 11 p.m., two people wearing masks and gloves were seen walking off the plane. About a half an hour later, the rest of the passengers were allowed off. uh, Palm Beach uh, fire rescue officials told WPTV that the Florida Department of Health had spoken with all the passengers that the isolated area uh, where they deplaned was being sterilized. Passengers who had been sitting near the infected flyer were also given instructions to call the health department with any concerns. An individual on this flight got a text that he tested positive for the coronavirus. Dr. Alina Alonso, uh, health chief in Palm Beach County, told the passengers at the airport, according to WTTV. So, I mean, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but (laughs) he allegedly... Was informed of the test prior to boarding an aircraft. I guess he wanted to go home or whatever. We don't know. It's all speculative at this point. So, you know, JetBlue immediately commenced additional cleaning for the gate, gate seven area where the flight departed, as well as the surrounding gates and the security checkpoints, uh, check-in counters, kiosk elevators, restrooms. They all went through, uh, you know, based on security camera footage. They all the areas where those people were, they all got disinfected. Yeah, and it's on the top of the enhanced cleaning protocols that have been in place at the JFK airport as well. 
But what do you do? If you are knowingly getting on an aircraft with an infectious disease, are you not liable? Don't go. I mean, could he go to jail? Could that be considered some kind of uh, attempted uh, assault? Manslaughter? Yeah. I mean, what is that? Yeah, if you knowingly walk on an airplane with that kind of a... Come on. Everybody knows about this virus right now. There's... If unless you live underneath a rock, you know that this is something that's going on and it's around the world. So if you knowingly walk onto an airplane with this illness, with this disease or virus, mm-hmm. um, first of all, I probably publicly shame you really bad in front of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably want to punch you square in the nose, but, uh, that I can't do that. So, um, yeah, speak up you know obviously you got to tell i mean really right then and there you're gonna the only person you can be able to tell is the flight attendant yeah. um and then we're gonna have to run it up they're gonna have to run it up the chain which is you know probably gonna run it through the the captain and the gate agent since we're at the gate and um you know we, you got to speak up because this is how this illness or this uh, virus is spread so uh for somebody to go on and do that is just reckless and it's irresponsible. Absolutely. Um, so that's uh, that's just something you don't do. Right. And so, and this is what we're worried about. This is what yeah. we aviators are worried about. And this is why we're talking about this right now. Um, the DOT is, has airline restrictions on flying. Most people don't realize because who has a paper ticket right now? Most people right. have their downloaded their e-ticket and it's on their phone. They scan their phone or they have an email you know, uh, sent to them, they print out a ticket from home. They don't get that paper ticket anymore. But on the back of those paper tickets, if you really read the fine print, it, it, it does implicate the fact that you can be held accountable if you fly right. when you're not feeling good. And from uh, fitfortravel.nhs.uk, uh, this is a, uh, a website from the United Kingdom that talks a lot about uh, traveling and travel information. And in there, they have a, an excerpt that is very much like the, the DOT's uh, travel uh, restriction closets on the back of most tickets or in the fine print there. It says that airlines can refuse to carry passengers with conditions that may worsen or have serious consequences during a flight. Airlines may request medical clearance if there is an indication that the passenger could be suffering from an unstable medical condition. Mind you, this is not new. This has been in place since air travel started, and it's changed and been developed over the years. But this has been in the back. I can remember 20 years ago this was on the back of the ticket. I remember a captain refusing a, a person to get on the flight because they were pregnant and getting ready to have a baby and he's like no I'm sorry you can't go and she's like well why not and he turned a ticket around and he circled it with a big pen and he said hey yep. look right here it says I can't take you and if you have a problem you can you know contact the department of transportation but this is this you need either a doctor's note or or you can't go and in there it it says you know travel by air is not normally advisable in the following cases and they're talking about infants less than 48 hours old uh, women after their 36th week of pregnancy or 32nd week of multiple pregnancies, uh, those suffering from any kind of chest pain, 
from uh, any infectious disease, decompression sickness after diving, increased uh, uh, intracranial pressure, uh, infection of the sinuses, recent heart attack, recent stroke, any kind of recent surgery where there could be trapped air or gas present in the abdominal area, there's severe chronic respiratory issues, breathlessness at rest, unresolved neurothorax issues, sickle cell anemia, and psychotic illnesses. So, you know, if any of these things are present, you just, you can't fly. It's the law. And, you know, the the above list is not, you know, exhaustive to to all the potential travelers out there, because of course you could have medical issues and you can have a doctor's note, but this is what British Airlines uh, puts on the back of their ticket. So, and we have kind of similar verbiage on the back of our tickets. When we had tickets, if you still go to the airport and have it printed out, look on the back, see if you can find it. And if it's not directly related there, there's always a reference yeah. to where you can go and find this information. Yeah. And if you and if you happen to get your ticket on the website or the apps, all this stuff is uh, buried in the uh, in all the little fine print that you uh, avoid when you're clicking yes, yes, right. next. Do you next, accept the pay, terms? Pay, pay. Yes. yes. Did you read them? <laughs> no. You know, exactly. and in a court of law, uh, i.e., this passenger that knowingly got on an airplane with a right. freaking uh, coronavirus, right? Okay, if the district attorney decides to press charges against this individual, exactly. which you know, I, I don't, yep. well, I don't want to see somebody have to go through that. But yep. talk Ignorance about ignorance is not head. an excuse. Oh my yeah. god. Yep. So, you know, Rob, what do you do if a pilot shows signs of the flu? What if, what if I'm here in Maui and I I'm starting to feel feverish, and I run over to the ABC store and lick all of your package. No, I'm kidding. So I go to the ABC <laughs> store, I buy a, I buy a thermometer, you know, and I, and I check my temperature, and it's, yeah. I've got the flu. What should I do? Yeah. I, first thing you need to do is remove yourself from the trip. That's the most important thing. Uh, you know, and obviously let one of your other crew members know that uh, you know you're you're not feeling well, and uh, you know they could also help you. But the most important thing is not to fly sick. You know that's that's number one rule of thumb. Fit for duty is one of the things that we have to attest to before every flight, and that includes feeling sick or ill. So uh, remove yourself. Call crew crew scheduling. Let them know that you're not feeling well, um, and. Uh, Use your medical benefits. Go get checked out. Go get some Robitussin or some cough syrup, whatever you need. Yeah. <laughs> Alls. <laughs> yeah. And just because uh, you, you're showing signs that you're not feeling it doesn't necessarily mean you have this right. virus. Okay. Now, at our sister company, at American mm-hmm. Airlines, a pilot recently tested positive for coronavirus just today. Yeah. Um, and uh, Rob, thank you for sending me this article. USA Today, Don Gilbertson wrote in an article that was updated uh, not very long ago. It was about an hour ago, wasn't it? Um, an American Airlines pilot based in Dallas has tested positive for the coronavirus. An American spokesperson, Curtis Blessing, said that the airline's chief medical officer and leaders in its pilot's office are in touch with the pilot who is based at the airline's hub in Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. There have not been other publicized cases of U.S. airline pilots testing positive, 
though there have been reports of others in the travel industry testing positive, including airport medical screeners and TSA officers. I believe we talked about this in the very last show with the uh, LAX screener right. that was, uh, even though she was wearing protective gear, right. a mask and gloves, and she, was, mm-hmm. and she had a thermometer and she was screening passengers, even though she had all those protective gears and protective equipment, yep. she still came down with it. So this is a, yeah. this is really a, yeah. a super, super power mega flu. Yeah. Isn't and it? I think a, a lot of people, and, and, and they overlook this, uh, uh, they overlook this sim- the symptoms of the coronavirus because, you know, that screener uh, wearing the gloves and the mask may not have been wearing the gloves and the masks a week or two or two weeks prior. Right. See what I'm saying? Because the symptoms may appear two to 14 days after exposure. So that person may have been exposed, you know, prior to when they said mandated, uh, like our company just, uh, legacy just mandated, Hey, you can now wear gloves and stuff like that during, during work, you know, rewind a clock 14 days prior, how many people did you you know, right. touch and screen. So now you, now all of a sudden you're sick and you have the gloves on and the mask on. Um, oh my goodness. Now you got the coronavirus, but how can that be? You were wearing gloves and you were in a mask. Right. So, you know, it, the, the, the period of two to 14 days after exposure is kind of a key thing. Um, I think in a lot of these cases, yeah. um, you know, so anyway, sorry, didn't want to. No, get not at all. That, and that's yeah. You know, I could have it right now, because uh, exactly. what I'm learning as I am kind of diving into this more and more is that a healthy individual could have it with little to almost no symptoms. You're right. most contagious within the first 48 hours of when you are. Uh, contracting this thing and you could not have any symptoms whatsoever until possibly 12 days out and then it might just last the symptoms might last 24 hours and you have a kind of a a headache and a head cold fatigue and shortness of breath which is the key right that's one so let's that's one of the things maybe people don't even realize or what are the actual symptoms so let's I, i have the list here from the cdc um for the coronavirus so two to 14 days after exposure some of the symptoms may be fever, a cough, or shortness of breath, which seems kind of common in a lot of other little, you know, because if, uh, if you have allergies like I do, um, you'll get a little cough because of, the, because of a nasal drip. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, you may run a little temporary fever because of, uh, you know, the allergy. Uh, shortness of breath because you, <laughs> you know, your nasal and passageways aren't really working very well because of all the mucus and stuff. But, uh, you know, so these are the same things that are associated with the coronavirus. Yeah. So if you have any of those things, those are just the normal symptoms. And what they tell, they're telling you here is you need to contact your doctor if you, if you experience any of these symptoms and get checked out. But what they're saying is, is that um, if you develop any of the emergency warning signs, which is going from shortness of breath to difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, uh, a persistent pain or pressure in the chest, uh, you're getting confused a lot or the, uh, um, your, your, uh, lips starting to get a little bluish. Sure. A little hypoxia there. Yep. Hypoxia. 
those are the warning signs. So that is probably, you know, you're you're really starting to hit stride with the uh, coronavirus, and you you need definitely need to go seek medical attention and get tested. Right. And if you're showing some of these symptoms, and and there's another another topic here that you're raising, don't just walk into your urgent care or your hospital or your doctor's office and sit there in the waiting room. What you need to do is make a phone call. You need to yes. call your doctor's office, let them know this is what I think is happening. I want to get tested. And they're going to either have you go to somewhere specific right. in a certain way. Maybe maybe this is when you put the mask on. Maybe this is right. when you wear the gloves. Maybe this is when you try to keep your contact with others at an absolute minimum. Maybe That's this right. is when you, you're, you're using hand sanitizing wipes on everything you touch and you're not yeah. touching anything. Okay. And you've got to also think that the physicians and the medical facilities right now are prepared for this. You know, they know that uh, this is the hot topic. And if you call in, uh, they are going to already know what and where and tell you what exactly you need to do to... Uh, to minimize your exposure to people that are that are that are that are healthy right. and still be able to come in and get checked out and um, take get you taken care of. Yeah, and we we've been talking about this now for quite some time. We've been talking about this in previous shows. the The general public has been bombarded by all these facts, all these figures, all these you know information. Some of it's really over overdone, over exaggerated. But what we're mm-hmm. not really talking about here are the people that have had the virus and that have recovered from the virus after being diagnosed with COVID-19, primarily because the virus is still a little bit too new to the United States. It's been here, what, now? We've, the, first, the first one here was, as I said, eight sure. days ago? I mean, it's, it's barely been a week, I think. Yeah, it's, if, if it's not a week, it's maybe just a little more than a week, but it, it hasn't been that long. Right. So, yeah. you know, for those that have recovered, you know, this is, uh, the numbers are promising. And according to yeah. a recent article by John Hop, Johns Hopkins University, uh, that you can recover from this. Not everybody's going to, you know, have this difficulty breathing or pass away right. from this. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it is. It is, they don't know the exact number. So I'm not going to spit right. a number out here and say 1%, right. 2%, 3%, but it's yeah. very, very, very low. And anybody that gives you a number, it's just too yeah, soon. Yeah. It's just yeah. too soon. But over 66,000 people have recovered from the coronavirus around the world, according to John Hopkins University, in an article that was written yesterday by Jenny Fink. And the virus continues to spread across the globe, but officials are urging the public not to succumb to fear. Because most people are expected to recover. Let me say that again. Most people are expected to recover. More than 4,300 people worldwide have died from this. And the disease, this virus, uh, you know, causes this COVID-19 disease. And without a vaccine, people are taking action to protect themselves, including unnecessarily stocking up on face masks. But of the 121,000 cases across the globe... 66,000 of those cases have recovered as of Wednesday morning. And according to a case tracker that John Hopkins University manages, these numbers are very, very accurate. Uh, About 80% of the people in China at the epicenter of the outbreak have recovered from the virus. The recovery percentages 
vary depending on the count, the country and the county and all that stuff in the United States, where they have been uh, 1,039 cases. And the situation might appear bleak because only eight people have been reported as recovered in the U.S. and 29 have died. Well, most of those people that did pass away, it was from the, the retirement home in Washington State where yeah. it was a nursing and rehabilitation facility. Well, if you're in a nursing and rehabilitation facility, that means you have underlying conditions. You have weakened right. immune, you have age against you, you have a lot of yep. issues. So even a common cold could have really done some damage. Well, this thing yeah. did some major Archives, damage. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, the numbers in the U.S. seem higher and people are losing their shit. Yeah. How many freaking YouTube videos have you seen in 24 hours? Oh, it's crazy. People losing their <laughs> shit. Crazy. How many yeah. how many fights have you seen? You oh, know? it's nuts. And it doesn't it's help nuts. that our commander in chief gave a painful speech just yesterday while having shortness of breath. Breath. Lots of redness in the face <laughs> while he's trying to read. And I know he can read because I've yeah. I've seen him read before. Uh, during some of his other speeches, so I don't know. Well, I just I also heard on talk radio, um, and maybe it was a uh, talk radio or the news, but that somebody had tested positive for the coronavirus that was um, yes. visiting, yeah, a guest that was visiting the senator, Trump. That, yeah, and they so, shook his hand, and they got a picture yep. of him shaking their hand. So is it po- so. is it possible? Are they covering it up? I don't know. We're, we'll yeah. find out. Maybe. Maybe we'll never know. Maybe, maybe we won't. You know. Yeah. But either That'll way, show be shown as a sign of weakness if he does, probably. Exactly, and I don't think yeah. he would ever allow for that. But that's completely another <laughs> direction here. So yep. you know, we're we're short of doctors and nurses on the front lines. You know, health workers. You know, are they they're getting dangerously ill, and, and they're ill-equipped to prepare for the all the patients that are going to be coming through these urgent cares in the U.S. and these hospitals and these emergency rooms. Because it's only inevitable that the number of people infected are going to grow. And that's why states of emergency have been declared. I mean, look at Italy. They went from almost nothing to shutting down the entire country. And just, well, you have to understand, you know, Italy, I, I, I grew up most of my summers there. It is a place where it's very, I mean, it's smaller than California. It's its own country, and you got a lot of people concentrated in a little area, and their number one transportation is a public bus system and subways. So every day, like, I mean, up until they shut it down, my uncles and cousins and aunts were all riding the public bus system. Wow. And, of course, you're holding on. So, and this virus uh, lives outside of the body on glass surfaces is what I read earlier today for up to two days. So if wow. that surface stays moist for two days, I mean, yeah. So yeah. it spread like wild fire over there. Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte pushed his country into a lockdown. The entire country is under a red zone. Italy's future is in our hands, he said. Uh, we all do our part giving up something for the good of the community. And uh, at stake is the health of our loved ones, our parents, our children, and our grandparents, he posted on Twitter. So these preventative measures that Italy has gone through after seeing this blow up, I think that really did lead 
the charge for here in the U.S. Now, we don't really live in a country where we can just lock it down because no. the size, the, the just the geography, it just doesn't work. But you, as you mentioned earlier, the con- Andrew Cuomo just had a containment area set up in New Rochelle, New York, because they had to take right. dramatic action. Action. Yeah, you know, they actually had- activated the National Guard. Yeah, to uh, help help with the perimeter of that containment zone. Yeah, yeah. So the de- the director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, uh, Dr. Anthony uh, Fauci. He is expecting additional cases to occur, and it's likely uh, that, based on the information they have about the virus, the average person who becomes infected will be fine and won't need to be hospitalized. But Fauci stressed that everyone in America needs to take action to limit the virus from spreading. So what I'm hearing here, and I don't know if you agree with me, Rob, it's just basically Practice good hygiene. Mm-hmm. Don't panic. Right. Limit the exposure in areas where there's a lot of people. Right. I don't know. It, you've you've been listening to the yeah. show since day one. Same thing. Have yeah. I not been saying the same thing? Wash same your thing. damn hands. <laughs> Wash your hands. Just common courtesy, common practices. Look, the thing is, here here it is in a nutshell. Is like you said, hygiene. Wash your hands, cover your sneezes into your into your sleeve and or a tissue, that kind of stuff. Wipe things down. Okay, let's do that. And and don't panic. Okay, not everybody is everybody is not gonna get the coronavirus. That's the first thing. People are gonna get it, but not everybody. Right? Okay, we know that. And everybody that gets the coronavirus isn't going to die. No, the majority, the mass majority will not. Majority of the people that get the coronavirus will not die. It's only the ones, like you said, the ones that have weak uh, immune systems or or underlying conditions, pre-existing conditions already. So with all that being said, folks, relax. Yeah. Just do, you know, common sense stuff. (laughs) You know, if you can avoid from going to areas in the public, let's do that for a little while. Um, yeah, you know, just limit your activities to, you know, then the essentials here for the next cup, next week or two. Got to go to work. You got to go to work. But um, if you're sick, make a phone call. Tell them you're not coming in. You're gonna go get, go see your physician mm-hmm. and uh, get tested. Yeah. And what we really need to stress here is, you know, we both have, you know, pretty level heads here. Um, We need to stress the facts and we need straight talk. We need to hear the information or read the information directly from the source or from the individuals that are experts in the field. I don't need to hear the commentary from the reporter or the questions that some news anchor is going to ask a doctor who is that station's go-to person for their medical you know, information. I want to hear it directly from the source. And today, I, was, I had a little bit of time um, between flights, and I was at LAX having a meal there at one of my favorite places, a place called Lemonade's. Uh, in Terminal 5, and I ended up getting a nice 
breakfast, the souffle was, it was great. I can't make souffles at home. I, I'm, I'm a foodie, but I just, I don't, I'm not that good at it. So, so here I was making this, uh, or having this souffle and I'm listening to a podcast that I often listen to. And, um, I was refreshingly surprised that I, what I was listening to was informative and they had an individual on the show named Michael Osterholm. He's an internationally recognized expert in infectious disease epidemiology. After, and I repeat, only after listening to this episode of Squawk Ident, I highly suggest that you listen to the Joe Rogan Experience episode number 1439. That's 1,439th show. Can you imagine, dude? We're wow. On, we're on episode 31. <laughs> okay. it's, like, gonna... it's like your private pilot's license and you, hey... I've got 31 hours of flying. He's and like, this guy's son. got 1,439 <laughs> episodes, you know? And ha- my hat's off to you, Joe, man. I, you know, I hope one day to meet you because you're freaking my hero, dude. Um, I've been yeah. listening to Joe Rogan since the freaking 90s when he was doing his stand-up comedy. And yeah, I remember yeah. my, my roommate in college brought home a CD of Joe Rogan's stand-up. It was Fun so freaking <laughs> X-rated and nasty yeah, yeah, and disca- and and I'm like dude you like this stuff <laughs> but after a while <laughs> you know I just couldn't stop you know the sound bites was got stuck in my head it's like well come oh, on Joe stuff. you got a great ass <laughs> to this day I'll never forget it so and then here he was on you know fear factor and you know his involvement yep. with MMA and he's yep. he's he's a pretty yeah. stand up guy and you know I do yep. show I do enjoy his shows but he did an interview uh, episode 1439 with Michael Osterholm and there he drops fact after fact after fact about infectious disease with no spin no drama no hidden agenda. Um, his episodes are also available on YouTube, so I recommend, uh, you know, if you want to kind of get a, a face to the name, uh, YouTube is a good place. Um, I, I don't know the legality of me playing any kind of sound bites from it, so I'm, I'm going to kind of refrain from it. But I'm going to tell you, it's a, I think it was like an hour and 30 minute episode. Uh, for which I didn't, I don't think I saw the last few minutes of it, but um, Jesus, a lot of the stuff we're listening to on TV and the way you should be doing, he's like, that's just really there to kind of calm people down. <laughs> it doesn't do anything, <laughs> you know, it just, it just doesn't do it, you know? So how does this affect us pilots? You know, unfortunately, the scary part of all this is that we really don't know how far down the rabbit hole this virus is going to take us. And what we do now um, is going to affect kind of the future of this. Um, again, do not panic, okay? I know a lot of my fellow aviators have been asking and have been talking about, well, what the heck? Is my upgrade class going to be canceled? And my, you know, my new hire class that I was supposed to be in in a few months, is that, that's going to be gone. So it's not going to be over in the blink of an eye, okay? It's not going to be over in a week. This isn't going to be over in a month, maybe not even in a year. However, as more and more infected people recover from this virus and build up their immune system, the spread will subside. And according to Michael Osterholm, a vaccine is a minimum of a year away. And anyone that says otherwise is, is just lying. They're just wrong. So what can we do as pilots? 
you know, it, it really is no different than the events that surround the virus itself. We need to look at the facts, make preparations for what this pandemic could mean to the pilots in the market today, the pilots aspiring to be in the market, and those thinking to becoming an aviator in the near future. Well, we've heard nothing but bad news here the last 48 hours. And I, and I think you can agree, our sister company, yeah. American Airlines, has announced, according to an article in CNBC uh, that was dated uh, just last night by Leslie Josephs, American Airlines is suspending pilot hiring as the rapid spread of the coronavirus hurts. This is the latest measure by a major carrier to stem the pain of the coronavirus uh, coronavirus travel slumps. Um, American Airlines is suspending the pilot hiring. Uh, it goes on to say the airlines around the world are reeling from travel restrictions and a plunge in demand for air travel, aviation's biggest crisis since September 11 terrorist attacks. Even U.S. carriers who boast strong balance sheets than in the previous crisis are taking drastic steps, including deep flight cuts and unpaid voluntary leave to cut costs. Airline executives warned at the J.P. Morgan Industrial Conference, which was held online because of the coronavirus, warned booking trends could worsen before they improved. And as you are aware, Corona or COVID-19 has had a significant impact on our flight loads, said a note to Americans' pilots, which was viewed by CNBC. The impact is substantial, and unfortunately, the decision has been made to temporarily suspend new hire uh, training beyond our March 17, 2020 class. American did not immediately respond to a request for comment, and the airline isn't the only carrier pushing back hiring. United and JetBlue last week announced hiring freezes and offered employees unpaid voluntary leave. This is the scariest part yes, for me. It is. I mean, I've seen how many memes the other day from pilots saying, you know, oh, coronavirus, you know, and they're just like, yeah, nonchalant. And they go, oh, yeah. cutbacks, uh, schedules that are being changed. What? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. This, this is, is serious. This, to me, this is me. This is to me. This is part two of a trifecta setting up for, uh, you know, another downturn in the industry. And I'm I'm probably, you know, way over analyzing this, but you know, you have this corona or we call or they call it COVID nineteen going on right now, which is obviously um impacting our schedules, impacting the business and the bottom line. Um, what's the other thing that's going on in the industry right now? Uh that's particularly hurting us and Southwest Airlines is the max. Yeah. So, you know, there's a there's a double a whammy there and all we need is one more thing to uh you know to push us over the edge and it's down into another um death spiral like we did after september september 11th so i'm the only i think probably the only thing that's really kind of helping us out um was that the gas prices are really low right now i mean i i don't know about you over there in california tony but over here in texas the gas i think i saw a dollar uh, uh it, it's not too much it's like a dollar 50 maybe a dollar 60 i at hate the pump. you <laughs> yeah 
the cheapest was uh i think was at costco and it was like 303 <laughs> like two of those dollars are california taxes so california taxes right <laughs> so yeah. yeah that was cheap too yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know you see where i'm going with this though you know yeah. we, we as aviators that are in the industry and who've been like we talked about in past episodes been through the lost decade um we see news like this and we flinch i mean we you know we're we're pretty uh you know, pretty rough for, uh, I wouldn't say rough, but we're, we're pretty resilient for having gone through what we have gone through, um, in the past. But, um, when you start hearing news reports and our, and, and, you know, a, uh, the, the boss of the company saying, Hey, you know, we're going to have to, uh, cut training classes. Uh, you start to flinch and you yeah. start reevaluating, you know, your lifestyle and say, Hey, what am I going to do? Yeah. If, you know, things take a turn for the worse. Well, it's eerily familiar, is it not? I mean, we were, we were, very I mean, we may not be in the positions we were now during 9-11, but we were, you know, engrossed exactly. in this and we saw it and it didn't happen overnight. We all, you know, you oh. forget, you think back and you, oh, 9-11 happened and everybody lost their job the next day. No, it took months, if yeah. not even like six yeah. months before you know, the full right. extent of what was happening really settled in and unfortunately this has been not even 30 days and that this is starting this is a major major event and the only the only differences that i can see right now uh compared to 9-11 obviously you can't really compare it to 9-11 because they were two dynamically different um situations right obviously uh it, it cannot uh you know, economically or whatever in the world, whatever happened, the event that happened. But, you know, right now, Legacy Airlines has a little money in the bank to ride out the storm. So back back then, you know, September 11th, they didn't. They were immediately, all the companies were immediately going into panic mode and they had to declare yeah. uh, Chapter 11 bankru- bank- bankruptcy so that they, they can reorganize their their business and contracts and uh, streamline their operations so that they can survive. Right now, they're not even talking about that right now. Although I did see one article um, that came out, and I, I'll have to uh, send you that link, um, that kind of mentioned that, hey, we may be in a very bad situation financially yes. and possibly a bankruptcy. But um, Yeah, that article was published uh, yesterday at 3.15 p.m. Yeah, by uh, Market News, uh, by Mm -hmm. the uh, DallasNews.com, and by Mark Emmon. And he writes, Fasten your seatbelts, American Airlines investors, you're flying into another bankruptcy. Fears about the corona epidemic have disproportionately hurt the travel industry, obviously. Uh, with airlines announcing a drastic fall in bookings, some as much as 70%. The American Airlines Group Incorporated, or the NASDAQ ID of AAL, which, by the way, closed at $13.10 today, which is down quite a bit. Uh, mm. And uh, they've, um, let's see, it's, they have high debt because of all the new airplanes that they've mm-hmm. ordered, obviously. And uh, poor ratings among flyers now faces the prospect of repeating its 2011 experience filing for bankruptcy. Investors have taken note and are heading for the exits despite a Tuesday surge where the stock went up almost 15%. AAL has lost nearly 50% of its value from its high 
in its 2020 rating. So Mm -hmm. three months in from the beginning of the year, and it's already lost 50% of its value. Now, the nosedive. I could tell you uh, that we have a lot of liquidity right now um, from the information that I am privy to. I, I don't, obviously, I'm not a insider. I don't have that information, yeah. but we supposedly have a good amount of cash on, to, on hand to yeah. weather out some kind of downturn. Now, right. the, the president has said that, you know, a 30 day ban now, let's, let's add clarity to this. The 30 day bl- ban to Europe is not canceling all flying in and out of Europe, the flying Correct. will continue. The, the ban is if you are from a particular area in the EU, then as of Friday evening or Friday afternoon, you will no longer be able to come into the United States. Now, England and Ireland, you can, those people can still come in through the U.S. because they have appropriate screening protocols. That's part of the equation. If you're an American citizen and you find yourself in a country on vacation or something or whatever, and you have to come back to America. That doesn't mean you're stuck in that country for 30 days. That means you can come to America, but you have to make the provisions. You have to go to the appropriate airports, and then you have to go through some kind of containment process. So it's not just, oh, all flights, boom, are done. That was an incorrect assumption, I believe, from one of the CNN news medias that they (laughs) they said that. No, the flying is still going to happen. It's yeah. just that there are now huge restrictions. So if those passengers made up 70 to 80% of that flight, that flight's now going to be 70 to 80% less people on it. Right. How do you make money when your airplane is, is 70% less capacity? Yeah. But they, the cost of re- fuel is the same. The cost of operations yeah. is the same. Your cost of your everything else is the same, but you don't have the revenue. This is going to right. take a huge toll on the yeah. industry, yeah. and it's scary. And, I, and I've talked to individuals just earlier today that, I mean, I had a friend of mine that I spoke with. He was all excited. I've been talking to him back and forth over the past few months. He's getting ready to come over to Legacy Airlines. And his class date, which was supposed to be in June, mm. now he has no idea. Uh, this could set him back months. Months. It could yeah. set him back a year. It could yeah. set him back longer. We don't know. And anybody that tells you that they do know, they, they don't know. They're, they're, they're not being truthful. Yeah. I don't even think the company knows. They're, they're handling it day by day, judging by the amount of emails that they're sending out. Yeah. Well, so, we're all scrambling. Yeah. You know, and we're yeah. scrambling. And again, don't panic. Yeah. We'll get through it. it is, I, I don't think this is going to be a lost decade. Yeah, I don't think th- I don't think this is going to be a long term thing either. I I I think uh, just like the doctor mentioned in the earlier um, uh, quote that it's going to get worse before it gets better. But just it, it, once it gets better, I it's I would imagine that you know the economy and everything associated with the industry is going to spin back up and just hum right along again. Uh, there's really no reason for it not to, because uh, uh, I think the corporations and the industries that rely on it, um, they, in order for them to succeed, they're going to have to get back right back to business. Yeah. So, 
um, you know, we're going to have to go back to uh, flying full schedules. And I'm sure once again, we're going to see full flights and non-revving is going to be torture. And (laughs) and you'll never be able to get to Orlando. (laughs) I'm thinking this is going to be a hiccup. And, (laughs) you know, just a real quick reference to another article from the USA Today by uh, Don Gilbertson. It was published uh, a few days ago as saying that the coronavirus travel fallout, American Delta cutting flights on demand, sinks joining United and others. And the in here, what I found was interesting, that uh, United Airlines President Scott Kirby said the Chicago-based carrier, which, will last, which last week was the first U.S. carrier to announce steep flight cuts on a Tuesday, announced more moves, said new ticket bookings are down 25% for the airline's U.S. flights and 50% for Europe flights and 70% for Asia-Pacific flights. The damage is multiplied when you figure in a surge in flight cancellations, he said. The airline's worst-case scenario calls for a 70% drop in revenue in April and May. That compares with a 40% decline in each of the two months after 9-11, Kirby said. This crisis uh, that's going to have... This is a crisis that's going to have a large near-term impact on our revenues, he said. While we expect the duration to be relatively short, we're planning for it to be deep. So, like you said, relatively short. I don't think it's going to last very long. However, this is going to make... It's going to be hard to bounce back from this. Yeah, yeah. They're going to have to definitely make... Take uh, some very calculated... uh, Make some very calculated moves and... Uh, I think it's going to take, they're also going to need to take some calculated risks also when they, uh, you know, resume normal operations again, hopefully capitalize on some situations that other, you know, this is kind of like the coronavirus itself, you know, only the strong will survive, you know, and and I think people are going to die. So basically with the, with, when it comes to the companies themselves, the ones that are strong, Delta, United, Southwest, American, um, and then there's also a couple of other ones in there too. You know, those those companies, um, as long as they are they are handled the situation correctly, they will survive. And we're going to be right back to where we were before with uh, pilots. And and that's not that's one thing that's not changing in the immediate time immediate future either is the retirements. You know, they're still retiring. <laughs> yeah. So we still need to fill you know, the, the, those seats in the training class uh, with new hire pilots. So uh, although we have temporarily suspended uh, new hire training, um, it will resume here shortly once all this stuff uh, gets behind us. Yeah. And, you know, I as, as a pilot group and talking to the captains, the first officers, I was on the uh, hotel van in San Francisco last night. Uh, and so there was a, it's a big van, and it's a hotel that we use there close to the airport, and a lot, pretty much all the airlines stay there. And uh, I saw yeah. a Horizon crew, and I said, hey, guys, how you doing? You know, of course, you know me. I strike a conversation. So you guys, uh, <laughs> you know, what's going on? You guys worried? And, and they, they suspended our schedules. They were supposed to be out on the 8th, and they're not going to be out until, like, close to midnight on the 12th. I mean, they're really because mm. of the president's speech and all this stuff and the cutbacks. And, and so we're really worried that, 
you know, everyone's going to be on reserve and, and the flying is going to be dramatically cut, which means less money in the bank and for yeah. us. And so it directly affects us, obviously. And, you know, how are you guys doing? And he, he indicated the same thing. Uh, yeah, they pushed our schedules back four days. We don't know what they are yet, uh, like to even bid on them. Um, and their parent company, their Alaska, uh, they had some major cuts too, and that's what they were waiting for is to get the final numbers from the parent company because that's a lot of times how a wholly owned operates. The parent company says, okay, these are the regional domestic feeds we want you to do, and go ahead and put together your schedules. And if the parent company says, well, hold on a second, uh, go back to the drawing board, we got to recalculate all this and cut everything by 25 30%, which that would also include their domestic partner, regional partner. Uh, of course, that means you can't have a schedule and then cancel everything and then pay people to stay home because that economically wouldn't be saving you any money, uh, which is exactly what needs to happen. That the, the management uh, and the financial powers that be at each of these respective airlines need to find ways to temporarily, in an emergency situation, cut costs so that the bottom line is protected and then we all have a job to go to tomorrow or next month. And and hopefully the there won't be any furloughs because this will be very short lived and that's really what we're hoping for, but we really don't know. Um, how is the COVID nineteen affecting you? How about your airline or your outlook? You know we want to hear about it here on Squawk Ident. So the best thing you can do is send us an email. You can either do that directly at aviatortony at gmail dot com, or you can contact us through the website at www.aviatortony.com That's Alpha, Victor, the number 8, Romeo, Tango, Oscar, November, Yankee. It's aviatortony.com You can also send us audio feedback from the Contact Us tab on their website as well. So Rob, you know, what do you think? Are we, are we really heading for a downward spiral? Are you starting to feel the dread of what aviators feel at this point? in their careers. Yeah, I th- I think this is a, a a typical cross country uh trip. You know, you start off with a nice smooth trip, then you hit the Colorado Rockies, you get a little mountain wave and some turbulence, which is I think this is the point we're at now. Um you ask for a ride report and uh you're getting all kinds of conflicting reports at different altitudes, so you try a different altitude and it's rough there too. Um so you know, that's the company changing directions and, and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what their game plan is. And then finally you just hang out there long enough and, uh, the ride smooths out and you get a tailwind and and you land and it's severe clear at your destination. And I kind of think that's how this coronavirus thing is going to affect our, our industry. We're, we're here in the, it's a, it's a rough patch. We're in the turbulent portion of it right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. But I do think in, uh, I don't know, let's put a bet on it, a $5 bet or a cup of coffee. I'd say by May, all the stuff, we're going we're gonna to be talking about something different. And um, we're going to be looking at uh, back to the same things that we were talking about as far as upgrades, as far as uh, new hires, and you know, moving on past the coronavirus. Yeah. That's, I actually that's I think... think. I don't think you're far off. I, I don't. I wouldn't say the beginning of May because we're already halfway through um, March. But I'm thinking it's going to take 
I'm going to say 90 days. So April, May, June. So I'm going to say mid-June, we're going to start to see, because I think what's going to happen is a dramatic cut is going to create a slow return. So I think, you know, somewhere mid-June, we're going to start seeing class dates again. What Mm -hmm. actually is going to help us is the number of retirements, because the number of retirements are in the hundreds every month at every carrier Mm -hmm. that I know of. So they can use those retirements to offset the cuts so that they don't have to furlough, because furloughing is expensive too. It's an emergency thing to do, because then you got to bring them back, you got to bring them back on the line, they got to get, if they, you know, went, Mm. uh, if they're still qualified, great, but if, you know, they, they went illegal or they have to get requalified and, and it costs money. So, yeah. you know, it, I, I'm hoping that it's not going to be more than 90 days. You know, we had some pretty big plans, uh, some remodel finances that we were getting ready to do on the house <laughs> on a personal level. And and the bricks got hit hard on that. And yeah, so, yeah, it's it's going to everything's going to be in limbo for, I think, yep. 90 days. Yeah, my neighbor is a is a pilot for uh, Legacy also. And he just got done with his probation, so uh, he's uh, he's happy to be have that pass him. And he just started a project, maybe about five days before Corona started uh, to become popular. Yeah, and uh, he started a project on his house. It's costing him quite a bit of money, and I've seen some of the work that he's he's going to do to his house. And he called me up today, and he was worried. You know, cause, he should be. Uh, yeah. And I told him, I said, well, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I said that, uh, you know, I have a lot of faith in what's going on and, in, in, in our, uh, direction, but, uh, you know, you, you can never be too careful. So, yeah. you know, if there's any way that you can put it on pause, I would do that. But if you can't, um, you know, just, you know, keep, keep working and, uh, you know, keep praying because yeah. it's only going to, it's going to get better. Yeah. This will, this will pass. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, uh, weeks ago, uh, I had a conversation with a captain I flew with, uh, that we were having a discussion. Like, I can't believe he says how many of these new hires are coming on and they're immediately buying a five or six or $700,000 house. And their wife works at like freaking Starbucks and they're, and they're like, oh yeah. And now look at this uh, Corona thing's going to hit. I bet yeah. you we're going to get hit. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a tough time economically and that's why yeah. it's important to, like, we kind of talked yeah. about this on the last show, I think, have that safety net. Yeah. And, and this could also turn into a lesson um, in this industry, if you're new to it, um, that it is full of ups and down, ups and downs, no pun intended. And, uh, it's very fragile and, uh, you do need to maintain a decent, uh, means of living throughout your career. Uh, you, you're always going to talk to that pilot that owns, you know, five vacation homes, an airplane, you know, five sports cars and, you know, five wives, a boat, whatever, you know, and they're out there and there's some guys that make really good money doing this. Um, but just think of that person when he loses his medical or, um, you know, loses his job or something like that. It's, it's, it's a disaster. So, you know, we've learned coming from Acme airlines, how to kind of really, really pinch pennies, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, um, live within, uh, 
you know, a, a reasonable wage and, yeah. um, you know, still have fun doing it. Oh, we lived and, through quite a bit of economic hardship, too. I mean, when we yeah. first started, it was one of the first, uh, you know, booms in the hiring since prior to 9-11. Yep. When we, when we ended up at the regional. And then, you know, we had to deal with economic issues, with uh, fuel hedging and fuel costs and that crisis with the, the crude oil and all that uh, happening. Um, we had an economic downturn. There you call it a recession or a depression or whatever, whoever you talk to calls it. So we went through multiple cyclical sessions at yeah. a regional where you're making Twenty six, thirty thousand dollars a year. You're gone twenty days a month. You're commuting. You're paying for crash pads. You're yeah. Your meal Uh, expenses are high. You're at a regional, so that's not like they're paying you on a longer flight. They're or they're uh, uh, not paying you, but they're not feeding you. You know, so you're buying airport food and you're bringing, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with you everywhere you go because I mean you can't afford to eat out every single day. it's amazing. So we, we lived it. through it. I think <laughs> you and I are of that generation or that era of pilot that kind of doesn't doesn't flinch too hard when these kind of <laughs> things happen because we've lived through a lot of cyclical events. Right. And I think some of the newer generation of pilots that either are starting out a regional or starting out uh, with a flow through agreement or even just just getting a job at a mainline and they're making yep. a little bit more than you know how we started out or what they were making previously and they're thinking oh yeah. great you know it's gonna be smooth i made it i'm at the tip of the pyramid i'm right. at the i'm at the legacy carrier i'm gonna buy a big house and I, 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 there's an MP, m3 in the <laughs> garage and i'm good to go and this shit happens, and then they're like, yeah. "Holy Whoa. shit!" Um, <laughs> that was close. <laughs> and you can see them too. They they walk around the airport with big eyes, and yeah, they're just like looking around. Going, oh, yeah. Um, is this airplane gonna go? You know, two weeks ago you were hoping it canceled so you can go home. Now you're like, "Are we gonna? Are we gonna go?" <laughs> we need to work. Just this one. get the fuel. Hey, there's no fuel truck out there. Go call the fuel truck. We I want to be on time. I be on time. Amazing hey, how Tony, that happens. <laughs> famous quote from a movie, right? Hey Tony, you got the number to that truck driving school? I think I'm going to need it. Yeah. Truck masters, I think it is. <laughs> truck yeah. masters. Was yeah. it? <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, as we're, as we're kind of bringing up the positivity here, I, I do appreciate that. That's, that's why I love you, Rob, man. This is awesome. <laughs> so next time on Squawk Den, I'm very excited that um, I had spoken with an individual that I flew with years ago and she impressed me so very much. And we're going to have an interview with uh, her and her husband, uh, both aviators, both flying for a major player in the industry. And we're very excited to be uh, having that lined up for next week. Uh, They're a flying couple that fell in love during their new hire class and have had a spectacular journey in aviation. And uh, we, you know, we need some positive fucking stories around here. You know what I mean? I mean, he's a class act guy who I've met, I actually, actually crossed paths with him about six months ago on an overnight, and I recognized him, um, and it was so funny to hang out. And then, and she is now working for the same airline he is working for, and so together, they're a family. They've got four beautiful young adult children at home, and she's just a spectacular pilot. She's an avid runner. And I'm not going to give any more away. You'll just have to subscribe, stay tuned, make sure you like 
and uh, the podcast, and that way you don't miss out when that episode gets aired. So I look forward to listening to that one. That'll be good. Yeah, stay tuned. And uh, a little shout out. Last week I was here uh, flying with a real cool captain, um, and her and I went uh, and hung out here in Maui. Uh, she actually went surfing in the morning, which I was impressed. Kind of wish she would have cool. told me because I would have happily gone out there. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so we we went out. And she texted me. It's like, hey, you want to grab lunch? There's a food truck out here uh, near Foodland, and I was like, really? In Kihei? And she's like, yeah, yeah. So we went there. I was so impressed. And I normally just go to like Foodland and grab a, a big thing of pokey and take it back to the room or go to the beach and hang out. And it's kind of like a, a lesser expensive thing to do. I don't want to do like the touristy thing. I try to mm-hmm. keep it mom and pop as possible. But man, the South Maui Fish Company was awesome. It's a little trailer, uh, a little food truck trailer on this property that's off the main road behind a gas station. I actually passed it twice she had to like text me the map of it because i was like where are you she's like i'm in line hurry up i'm in line we're next i'm like shit so you know it's dedicated to bringing the valley isle uh the freshest fish available everything that we serve is fresh caught and fresh cut daily and served with aloha they're over at 22 alahene i hope i'm saying that right alahene place in kihei hawaii uh, the South Maui Fish Company. I told them I'd give them a shout out because I really enjoyed the fish. They're open from like 11 to 4 every day. Uh, he said that particular day last week that people were lined up like a little bit after 10. Wow. And I'm like, it's a, it's a little trailer. It's like a little yeah. 20, 15, 20 foot trailer. And, uh, and they ran out of food. Like wow. 20, not even 20 minutes after we got there, we, we got handed our food. And I think there were four or five more people in line after that. And they say, sorry, we ran out. And the reason yeah. that there's a line every day is because they catch the fish fresh every morning. That morning. And that's the, wow. poke, that's the poke you're going to get. Okay. Wow. This isn't like previously frozen shit that you get at the grocery store. This is, <laughs> Sounds delicious. It's, it's legit. Um, and the guys were really cool that worked there. Uh, real shout out. They were real friendly. And he's like, oh, man, you got to... We start talking next thing. Oh, you got a podcast? Oh, that's so cool. You know, so. Uh, good food, good service, good people. That's why they're famous. Yep. And you know where I'll be for lunch tomorrow? <laughs> Pokey. I'll be at the South Maui Fish Company. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to go check them out. Hell butter. yeah, man. <laughs> cool, I'm going to get a Pokey Bowl. So, but I'll be there early because I don't want them to run out of fresh yeah. uh, ahi or whatever Fine. they're going to serve. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so a little quick shout out to them. Uh, thanks again for being so cool and hanging out. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, looking forward to the rest of this trip. I get back uh, ah, 30 hours here in Maui. We just got here a couple hours ago. Uh, going to meet up with the crew. Going to go hang out, maybe go to Threes and uh, a cool. local spot there in Kihei and, and hang out for a little while. And when I'm done, if I uh, have not had too many adult beverages, I might come back and edit this podcast. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, if the sound quality is not that great... Yeah, I had a good time. So, <laughs> and uh, tomorrow, tomorrow is uh, probably go for a run and uh, in the morning and then head over to get some uh, some good poke for lunch and then uh, a good long nap because it is a, a pretty late flight back into Los Angeles. Land in Los Angeles around 6.30 in the morning the next morning. And so what day is that? That'd be Saturday, I believe. Saturday, yep. So Saturday morning. Sunday night, 
another red eye to oh. to my hammy. Long and one for it's you. It's going to be a long one going to my hammy. Uh, wow. Land in Miami on that one. Uh, oh, God, right after the sun comes up, I think. Uh, yep, yeah, 640. 6.30. Yep. Yeah. So then it's uh, about 12-hour layover during the day, so I've got my eye mask and my earplugs and Maybe oh, maybe are, in a future show we'll talk about how the hell do you sleep yeah. in the middle of the day? Yeah, that circadian rhythm. <laughs> Wait, what? What's that? What's the that circadian word? rhythm. What? There is Cir- no rhythm. Circadian. <laughs> what? I forgot what that was. There is no rhythm. <laughs> the circadian rhythm. Shove that down your throat every freaking recurrent training for the past ten years, and now circadian rhythm, my book. Yep. <laughs> so anyway. All right, man. Hey, good show. show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up episode 31. Are you enjoying Squawk Ident? Please help us out and visit the website at aviatortony.com. That's Alpha Victor, the number eight, Romeo Tango, Oscar November.com. There you can check out episode cover art, episode archives, the pilot shop, and you could also leave audio feedback. You can contribute to the show and help with equipment, software, and marketing expenses by becoming a producer of Squawk Ident, either with a one-time or a monthly contribution. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter users can also search Squawk Ident Podcast or Aviator Tony and Squawk Ident to follow on the socials. If you're listening on Apple Podcast and you like what you hear, it would be very helpful if you could just take a moment and leave us a good review and a like and a share. The show just gets that much better with each and every follower that we get. So, in closing, number one, don't panic. Everything's going to be okay. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this grateful aviator. Keep the dirty side down. Be safe and take care of each other. And wash your damn hands. <laughs> <laughs>